Peace. It's time to holler at a scholar, man. Adisa Banjoko, the bishop, is in the building. Welcome to Bishop Chronicles, the new format. Bishop Chronicles is a podcast on stoic resilience and the art of not quitting. Our goal every show is to make your day, your week, your month, your year better than you thought it would be and to help you discover, engage, and act out a higher level of joy, health, and good things for you and the ones you love. For more than half my my life, I've written about hip hop. Um, Many of you know the first article I ever wrote was an interview with Eazy-E for my high school newspaper. I was 17. And that changed the trajectory of my life forever. I've written several books on hip hop. I used to run an organization called the Hip Hop Chess Federation. I was a guest curator for the World Chess Hall of Fame, you know, uh, for the Living Like Kings exhibit, broke records of attendance. Then, in 2018, me and Susan and Mike Realm put together a show called Respect, Hip Hop Style and Wisdom at the Oakland Museum of California, and it was insanely successful. It was great. Um, and then, in the middle of that, in May of 2018, I had a near-death experience, and about Three months and some change after that, my then wife of 23 years bounced. Um, What followed was uh, suicidal depression, therapy, yoga, meditation. I started reading Stoic philosophy, specifically works by Donald Robertson, and he had an online course. Uh, He's author of a book uh, called How to Think Like a Roman Emperor. Um, And I was also reading amazing books uh, in in Sufism uh, from Al-Ghazali. Everybody should read him. Um, The works of Rumi, Attar, right? Al-Haddad, many, 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 many scholars. And I was reading Buddhist stuff from Dogen and things like that. Plus, like I said, lots of therapy. Um, And it was an unfun and uneasy road for me at this time. Um, But I stayed consistent with my meditation, with my prayer, with my exercise, with my jujitsu. Shout out to my jujitsu family all over the world. And then I got an opportunity to spend six months in the United Kingdom. It popped off right before the crazy lockdowns kicked all the way in. And, you know, I spent a good time overseas going inward, working on myself, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And... Toward the end, I find myself in Scotland, 
in a small area called Kinloch Rannoch. And Kinloch Rannoch was just unbelievable. I mean, um, nobody will believe me when I tell you that I never felt closer to God than when I was in Scotland. Give you an example of one of the things that I saw. Where I was staying uh, with some friends, I, I went into a forest, and, and this forest was, Kinloch Rannoch is remote, first of all. It's very small. Downtown's about five or six blocks. Lots of animals everywhere. Like animals outnumber people. You know, wild deer everywhere. There's sheep. There's highland cows. Gigantic. These things look like woolly mammoths with horns. It's crazy. Um, and there's just nature. Just like soul-shaking nature. Beautiful. So I'm in this forest. This forest has moss on the ground, on the trees, on the rocks. And there's, 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 there's a bird singing. And because there's moss everywhere in this forest, I can hear that bird like it's singing in a sound studio. Like perfectly as it was meant to be heard when the divine force gave it the spark to sing. I can't reenact what that felt like. I can't take you there, but I can tell you that it changed me. So when I got back, when I got back, you know, I started doing some cool stuff for ebony.com and I'm still doing some other cool stuff with them. And I started to just notice that like, I didn't care about hip hop the same way that when I reconnected with my people, like Zumbi, rest in peace. You know what I'm saying? That was the last podcast I did on 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 hip hop because I was just getting to a state where when I was dealing with my homies like Zumbi and other people, yes, we were talking about hip hop. Yes, we were talking about, you know, uh uh what was going on in music or whatever, but eventually no matter what, whether it was my jujitsu partners, my hip hop partners, my chess partners, whatever, my deep thinker partners, my 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 tech partners, you know what I'm saying? It all would come back to how we're getting through right now. So how are you getting along? How are you getting through? What's helping you maintain, you know, your mental and your spiritual health? That always became the heavier part of every conversation. And so the other week I'm sitting around and I'm like, you know, we could talk about J. Cole, Drake, and Kendrick, like who's doper and why. And I realized that I didn't care that much. Not to talk about it. I'm still going to write about hip hop. I'm still going to break things down uh, about the history of hip hop. But this podcast will no longer be about hip hop. Although once in a while, when it applies, rap music and hip hop will be a part of it. But it's not the root, you know, uh, reason for this podcast. So. I'm going to start by telling you a story. And this is a story about me and the time KRS-One tried to fight me at Stanford. And I promise there's a stoic lesson here. This all starts 
really in 1989 when I meet KRS-One at San Francisco State after he spoke. And I asked a question that provoked him in a good way. And that's the first time we met. And we stayed cool for many years after that. Fast forward to about 2003 or four, I think. Um, and forgive me if my dates are wrong, but it's around the same time. Um, I meet Kyle Canfield and DJ Vlad, his homie. And we team up to do chicken soup for the hip hop soul. And we put a whole bunch of stuff together. We met with KRS-One. I interviewed him for eight hours straight about his life. Listen to me right now. If I wanted to do the unauthorized autobiography of KRS-One, I could do it tonight. Because I still got the tapes. But I'm not going to do that. My point is me and KRS were cool. Okay? He puts together the, what was the thing called? The gospel of hip hop. And he starts the Temple of Hip Hop, a religious org based on hip hop and its elements, etc. And he was, you know, he was trying to get me on a team. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was very clear about this. Like, yo, I'd really like you to be a part of the Temple of Hip Hop, yada, yada. I'm like, that's cool, but I'm Muslim already, bro. You know what I mean? Like, I respect freedom of religion. You can pray however you want to pray, get down however you want to get down, but... I'm Muslim over here. Salam alaikum, Allahu Akbar. This is how we do. I think he thought eventually I would, you know, go the way of the temple. But such was not to be. Um, I spoke with him at San Jose State with Shamako Noble. Um, and... Uh, a copy of the temple, I'm sorry, of the gospel of hip hop was laying on the table while KRS was speaking. I slide the book over. I flip through it a little bit. I flip through it some more. And I can see that a lot of the ideas that he's calling under the umbrella of hip hop, quote unquote, philosophy is not really hip hop philosophy. I'm like, well, that looks like it comes from India because I already read the Bhagavad Gita. That looks like a little bit of Buddhism because uh, I've read the Dhammapada. That looks like Greek philosophy, right? And I'm not sure that it's hip-hop philosophy. And so this leads me to a point where I start trying to talk to KRS a little deeper about the book. Understand, this is a very condensed Cliff Note version for learning purposes. Eventually, I called him several times to talk about some things that I heard him say and things that I remembered from the, 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 the gospel of hip hop before it was released. And he was not calling me back. And so I put together a piece that allhiphop.com ran, shout out to Chuck Creekmuir, called The Weakness of Being Hip Hop. Basically, I had come up with what I think were like six arguments against this idea of KRS-One or any individual being hip hop. And I took my six arguments, I took like my weakest three or two, and I put them in this thing about the weakness of being hip hop. It was called Flawed Philosophy, The Weakness of Being Hip Hop. 
And this would have been around 2000, I think, six, something like that. Right around the time I started Hip Hop Chess Federation. Um, and the book Lyrical Swords Volume 2 had just dropped, something like that. Anyway, he responds with like some, some written response, but the written response was full of personal attacks. Why did I give the first few weak things? Because I had the napalm answers and questions in my back pocket. And the idea was, if he couldn't hang with my weakest, he couldn't stand in the napalm drop. You feel me? Um, and so this creates a bit of a hubbub. Some people start jumping online, talking trash, like, who's this Adisa guy? He's just a bum critic, blah, 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 KRS. Other people like, actually, Adisa is actually super knowledgeable about hip hop and y'all should shut up. And this goes on. But what also happened is in the Muslim community, Muslims really had my back. And they always have. And I'm grateful for it. And so what was happening is people were reaching out to me from Harlem, from Philly. Philly's rowdy. Harlem's rowdy. And Katz is like, yo, Ak, what's going on? What's good with KRS? And I'm like, this is getting wild. Meanwhile, what I don't realize is that when he's traveling to different cities, randomly, periodically, people are asking him, what's up with you and Adisa? Are y'all going to debate? And they're usually Muslims. And what I think, I don't know that this was the case. I think he thought I was sending people to do this. In truth, I didn't even know a lot of it was happening until later. Like later, months later, oh yeah, I saw him, you know. I was like, what's up with you and Adis? You know, y'all gonna debate? But And he said in his response, and I think he wrote two, forgive me if I'm wrong, um, that he said he didn't want to debate. I was hoping and believing that hip hop was going to evolve. I was looking for a hip hop debate culture to emerge. I remembered from medieval Spain, you know, reading about how the Jews, Christians, and Muslims would debate civilly about things that dealt with, you know, theology and philosophy. And I thought hip hop needed this. And I thought this would be a great place to begin. But KRS felt very different. Fast forward, the Harvard Hip Hop Archive started in Harvard for a bit. It was at Stanford. And while it was at Stanford, they had an event and I was invited to speak. And so was KRS-One, but we were on different panels. I've expressed to you all that I love jujitsu. And at that time, I was a blue belt. There was a tournament coming up and I was practicing all the time for that tournament. I was very fit. <laughs> I was very fit. I mean, I still am, you know, but I'm saying at that point I was in comp mode, bout it, rowdy, ready, training. All right. And so I'm at the dinner at Stanford. I'm not dinner, breakfast. It's me, Davey D, Sheena Lester, a few other people. I'm eating some pancakes, yucking it up. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Rap music. Yuck, yuck. Rap. Hip hop. It it and Dave, Davey D, my brother for real, sitting across the table. We joking about a whole bunch of stuff. And Dave's like, yo, KRS is up in here. 
you better be careful, blah, 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 something. I don't know. I don't know if he joked about PM Dawn or if my brain just remembered PM Dawn. I was like, I looked at him with the most casual, real face. I was like, Dave, look at me. If KRS-One touches me today, I guarantee you, I'm going to break his fucking arm or I'm choking him out in the name of Allah. I'm serious. I just went back to eating. And everybody kind of chuckled, but Dave knew, because he knows me, that I wasn't fucking around. So, what people didn't know, what people didn't know was that a local rapper who had love for me spoke to me before KRS-One came out. He said, listen, I know you and KRS got problems. What's up? And I was like, oh, nothing, man. You know, blah, blah. He said, listen, you know, I love you, Deese. I, I love the way you get down. You're always working hard for the kids. You drop hella knowledge. If he hits you up and it gets real, you text me. And when you text me, I'm coming up with the riders. But when I come up with the riders, it's really on. Like, ain't no debates, ain't no whatever. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, oh, yeah, no, for real. He goes, no, really. He's like, I'm going to be looking for that text if it pops off. So now I'm like, damn, okay. All right. So, you know, um, I go in. I'm chilling. There's all kinds of illustrious people. I think Ladybug Mecca was there. Um, Bakari Kitwana, Eric Arnold. Um Lots of amazing women in hip-hop journalism were there. I think Kieran Amario was there. Um, it was a great, great day. Uh, Don Alyssa Fisher was there. Um, it was crazy. I did my thing, I think, earlier in the day before KRS showed. And just in case it got crazy, I had some jujitsu partners and some street partners scattered about the room acting like they didn't know me. I'm a chess player. Did I ever tell you? So I didn't really, you know, I had asked Marcelina Morgan, who runs the archive, if she would let me and KRS have the debate since everybody was there. Speaking of Morgan, Joan Morgan was in that room. Shout out to Joan Morgan. And she was like, no, I don't want y'all to do the debate, blah, blah. I was like, okay, cool, whatever. I'll just, you know, check it in. So KRS comes in, he sits down a few minutes after my presentation, there was some kind of break. I see Chris, but we don't speak. There's a big square in the room. And like, literally I'm in one corner, kind of inside corner, and he's onto the diagonal opposite, almost like a boxing ring, ironically. So then in the middle of the entire thing, um, I think Mark Anthony Neal was interviewing KRS-One about something that dealt with hip hop. And then this happens. Listen. This is what it means to be a hip hop artist, not a rap artist. Let me also point out as well. I see a lot of illustrious people here as well. And I uh, thank you all for coming out. And I respect you all in that. I know a lot of it. see a lot of your writings and so on uh, throughout the history and so on. But I will point this out here, the difference between a rap artist and a hip-hop artist. A rap artist is more polite. 
a rap artist is more polite. A hip-hop artist such as myself will point out truth and fact when I see it. Now, right now, we have on this panel a gentleman, Adisa Dangelko. Chris. Yes. How you doing, man? I'm chilling. It's been a minute. But nonetheless, you have been slandering my name in the public. I've never slandered you. No, you actually have. No. Gentlemen. No. So much to the point. Gentlemen. Yes. Can we? So it, No, but I'm just keeping it real with the question, keep though. Keep it real, Chris. I, I the understand. question, though. See, we here now. No, but see, but we're here now. Chris, right. This is good. We'll, we'll, good. we'll give y'all a space. Good. Right. We'll give y'all a space to work this out. But see, but. But in fact. In fairness, in fairness, in fairness to the other three panelists who haven't spoken yet. Sure. All right, can can they get through with their introductory well, statements? Sure. In the beginning of this, I explained to everybody that where I'm from, this does not happen this way. Sure. Everybody needs to understand that. What happened? I do not care. Well, no, this is forward. No, but this is forward. I understand, I, and I respect that. I, no, I totally respect that. This particular moment, it is. But because I want everybody on the panel to be able to say something, because whatever you're hearing, it's clearly going to be important and provocative. And I want But we have enemies on the panel. We have enemies to the culture on the panel. We have enemies to the culture on the panel. I'm sorry? Stanford University? Yeah, but that's no, that's not an enemy. To, it may not be an enemy to hip hop culture. That's an enemy to black culture. In terms of hip hop, no, they may be hip hoppers over there. Right. No, but here's, here's what I'd like to do. No, so, so just to finish the question. Point, can I right? just end the question, though? Can, can I just put a period on the end of Yo, the question? And I, I respect exactly what you're saying. And you don't even need to. It's all good. He don't even need to. He don't even need to. And I'm not trying to divert. And I'm not trying to divert the meeting. Right. You know what I'm saying? Let it be. All I'm saying. All we don't have the debate, Chris. No. If you want to do it, let's do it. If no, 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 no. Don't make a statement on no. me. Well, well, let me respond. What I want to do is jump across the table and beat your fucking ass. That's what I want to do. Stop the violence. So, no, you don't stop the violence. You are FBI agent in disguise, and you are enemy to our culture. That's what I'm about. So, what's up? We can set it right now. You ain't done. Yeah, so yeah, with me you do. Today you do. Today you do. I ain't saying you no death threat. I did. Okay, prove it. Prove it. I don't need no threats. I said no death threats. I'm with you right now. What you want to do? I I don't deal with that. I have a declaration of peace. I don't deal with that. Gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. I don't deal. You are FBI agent. If y'all want to be a part of the discussion, you are fraud. You are moving. You are fraud. And I'm saying it to your face. You are fraud. You are fraud. You are fraud. And don't let us be somewhere. You are fraud. You are fraud to our culture. Okay, everybody in here, just step outside. If you don't want this kind of... So now there I am, right? And I'm like, yo, this dude's really trying to get with me. Now, there's a few things. Notice he said I was an FBI agent. 
I was raised politically by Kilu Nyasha, rest in peace. May Allah bless her always. Um, one of the most mentally strong black women, one of the original black women uh, in the Panther Party, and she taught many people about politics in the Bay. And I was one of them. I was one of her, I can't say that I was one of her first students. students. I could just say that in the 90s, uh, she had a place over on the edge of Chinatown on Broadway, and I would go there. Money B was there. Um, Dell, the funky homo sapien, I brought him out. He came to a few meetings. Like, it was very real. And there were some amazing people in those meetings. That's where I met the, the, the author and poet, Piri Thomas. Remember that poem, 25 Shades, Blacker Than Midnight? It was beautiful. And so she taught me that anytime someone says that someone is an agent, that they are the agent. That that is a tool done by agent provocateurs to say, you're an agent, you're an agent. So even in Islam, when I would see people say, oh, oh, brother, you heard uh, so-and-so is an agent. Oh, you know what I'm saying? I'll be like, oh, watch out, watch out. And that's why I never said that he was an agent. Because I could hear Kilu's wisdom in my ear. And I think to myself, he's talking about beating your ass. This obese vegetarian is telling you he's going to beat your ass. I stood up for a minute. You can't, you can hear the video. I stood up for a second. And uh, one of the professors there, James Peterson, he's like, Adi, sit down. Because he knows I do jujitsu. He knows I'm down for whatever. He's like, Adi, sit down, sit down, sit down, chill out. Don't, don't. Don't do this. I'm thinking about texting my partner. I'm thinking about giving the nod to the homies in the room. I'm thinking about this path that I figured out to where KRS is. Because there's a lot of people in between us, but in the center of that perimeter of tables, there's nothing. I was going to dip under the table, sprint across, dive across, Get active. I had Padna standing in the corner where Chris was and he didn't realize it. And I think one of the craziest things was the only person who didn't realize how much danger he was in was him. He was five minutes away from East Palo Alto. That city may not mean nothing to you. But it was a murder capital of America in the 80s and 90s. I think more than once. Five minutes away is Stanford University. I'm fit and focused. I'm down for whatever. I had death threats sent to my house. He was pretending like he didn't know nothing about it, but I knew he did. And this is the moment that you have to figure out who you are as a man. I can hop over that table, start bashing him in the garage nose, taking his arm. And then this thing hit me like out of nowhere. And it said, Adisa, absolutely, you can break KRS-One's arm. But you can never unbreak it. You could text the OG and he could come through with his partners and shoot Chris. But 
you can't unshoot him and you won't be in control of what happens after. So what do you want? Is this voice asking? And I said, I want peace. And what I got back was, if I wanted peace, I needed to be peace. I needed to embody it to the best of my ability in that moment. So I didn't text my partner and I didn't cut across and I didn't give the nod to the partners and I didn't get Stanford tore up, but I could have, but I mastered my anger. Even my just anger had to be rewound. The internet went crazy over the next couple of days. KRS gets at this, punks this journalist. No journalist checks KRS one. All kind of stuff is going back and forth. And again, Muslim partners are even now on higher alert. Well, what's really click clack? You know what I'm saying? Allahu Akbar. And I'm like, no. And I start getting nervous that a Muslim that I don't know who's just really down for whatever is going to get at him. Without my opinion, impact, or whatever. And I start worrying about KRS-One in the days to follow. People wondered if I was nervous. I was not nervous. I was worried for his safety. A day or two later, Shimako Noble, then I believe head of Hip Hop Congress. Shout out to Hip Hop Congress. Shout out to Raman Jamal, who's running Hip Hop Congress right now. Yay, yay. Um... He calls me and he says, KRS-One called him and he wants to know if there can be peace. And I was like, what? He was like, yeah, KRS-One wants to know. By the way, Shamako's a beast-ass battle rapper. But anyway, he's like, yo, he wants to know if there can be peace. And I'm like, I, I'm not really interested in that. He just fool's calling me an FBI agent. You know what I'm saying? He's acting wild. Nah. I think it was the same day. It might have been the day after. Davey D calls with Africa Bombada on the phone. And he's like, KRS said he wants peace. Are you down for that? And I was like, nah. My ex-wife at the time was like, you know, you should consider it, blah, blah. I was like, no. Then I was like, okay. So I had a reluctant four-hour conversation with KRS-One, Bambada, and Davey D the next day. It was very heated. Among other things... He acknowledged that he did know about the death threat, like I said he did, but that he was so mad that I had challenged him publicly that he didn't care. Okay. We agreed to disagree. And we squashed beef formally. And I haven't been even in the same room as KRS-One since then. I haven't even been in the same room as KRS. We've never seen each other, but we've done a good job of, you know, not transgressing what we agreed to. So fast forward to my life when everything's crazy. I'm reading Stoicism and 
the philosopher Epictetus says that difficulty shows what men are. Difficulty shows what men are. And at the end of the day, in the presence of the Blastmaster KRS-One, I ended up being the one who was willing to practice nonviolence when they had every opportunity and reason not to. Epictetus also said, when you're offended at any man's fault, turn to yourself and study your own failings. Then you will forget your anger. The Stoics created all kinds of different ways to control and quell anger in a natural way so that you lived better. You know, and this is what I got from How to Think Like a Roman Emperor. And like I said, I fused it with so many of the Sufi things and other things that I read. And so, you know, I'm so glad things turned out the way they did. I'm so glad that I didn't call my homie with the text, with the, with the beeper activity. I'm so glad that nothing happened that day. Because hip hop wouldn't be the same. I wouldn't be happy, you know what I'm saying? If I would have got him clapped up or injured, or even if I would have injured him. If someone came back and injured me, things would have been way worse. You know, later, obviously, we see what happens with Africa Bambada. The students are being some kind of weird, alleged sex trafficker and molester of the highest order. And ironically, KRS seemed to be backing him even more weird, unless you know other things. And then, even still, I'm glad things turned out the way that they did. I'm glad that I didn't let anger lead me into something that was really going to be bad. How many of us have fallen for our own anger and said and done things that we cannot fix, right? Even if people have forgiven us, they can't forget. And this is why I encourage you to take a moment to study the Stoic Solutions for Anger for yourself. Next week, we will be looking at another aspect of Stoic wisdom and how it applies to life in modern terms. I really appreciate you tuning in. I have some amazing things lined up for you and I'm excited and appreciative of you sitting with me through this particular story. Please remember to follow and subscribe everywhere you find us and comment everywhere you find us because we need it. It will help us. And finally, I just want to say, you know, that no matter what you're going through, there's a way out. You just haven't found it yet. But stay patient. Keep yourself in a state of gratitude. And stay focused until next time.
Many blessings. I'm out. Holla at Escala at Bishop Chronicles on IG. And I'll see you next week. Peace.